This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. This is our Friday edition. Uh, I'm here. I'm Mac, your host with your co-host, legendary boxing Hall of Fame writer, Jack Hirsch. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into some of the many stories that we'll be covering uh, today. But first, Jack, how you doing today? Hope everything's going well. Hey, good, Mac. Welcome back. Uh, you missed one game, okay? Yes. Pat, Pat's ably filled in, but uh, there's no one like you, Mac, who I could go at. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Mac. Uh, Jack, I appreciate that. So, Jack, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, – you know, the biggest story in sports uh, since the game itself between Buffalo and Cincinnati, DeMar Hamlin, um, you know, uh, he had his cardiac arrest uh, during the Cincinnati game when he hit uh, wide receiver, I think it's Higgins, from Cincinnati. Uh, he was down on the field. Uh, the ambulance came out. He was, uh, you know, he passed away for nine minutes, Jack. It's a long time. Uh, and they revived him, um, and now it seems that he's improving so much so, as we talked about before the show, he wanted to know who won the game. Uh, he's breathing. He's got a breathing tube in, uh, 50% breathing on his own. He's talking, and it looks like he he has his wits about him. He, you know, when you get an injury like that, they're all, always scared that you're going to have brain damage uh, when you have an injury like that because of the lack of oxygen, oxygen to the brain. But it looks like uh, he's doing good, Jack. He's still got he's still got a ways to go, so there has to be a little bit caution. But he has the best medical care, and at this point, the feeling is he has turned a corner, a positive corner. Okay, so everyone is happy about that, and uh, and it's it's an inspiring thing. You know, we've seen a lot of football injuries, Mac, over time. We've seen guys caught it off, but this was much, much different. The moment it took place, it wasn't just a sporting event story. It was a major news story. CNN, Fox News, they were covering it live as it was all unfolding. And you could tell by the players' reaction, this was much, much different. I mean, we're used to them getting down on the knees, saying a prayer, joining hands. And then they get back to the game, but you could tell this was much, much different from anything, you know, uh, we've seen in modern times. Even though there was a death on the field in 1971, a Detroit Lion play, I think the name was Jerry Hughes. Yes. And that was a different day and age. I mean, the mentality back at that time was if a player had a massive headache, he'd be told, suck it up and go out there and play. That was an era where coaches in hot weather wouldn't allow players to take water. You know, right. things like that in 90-degree weather when they would be working out in pads. The NFL, Mac, has come under so much criticism for so many things. When they do something good, they should be praised to the hilt. The medical care that was given uh, in this situation to DeMar Hamlin was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. 
And you kind of feel that if the Buffalo Bills make it to the Super Bowl, instead of the players running out of the tunnel, let the medical staff run out of the tunnel to the roars of the crowd. I mean, when you think of something in the ring of honor, it should just be a thing, Buffalo Bill medical staff in the years. I yeah. mean, they deserve kudos. And the, and the NFL deserves a lot of credit for having these procedures in place. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think they did, a, did one heck of a job. Um, and, and, of course, there's a lot of side stories that, that come off this, uh, this injury, Jack. Um, you know, first of all, being a Buffalo player, Buffalo Bill player right now, how do you feel going forward playing uh, this game? Are you more timid? Or do you have more self-reflection? Uh, is, is the game as big as it was to you before? Do you even care if you make the Super Bowl, Jack? Uh, the, the most basic answer I could give you is I don't know, because it depends on the individual. Even though it's a team game, every individual has his own emotions. But I feel when, as the days go by and DeMar Hamlin has turned a corner, I think we're basically getting back to normalcy with every hour that passes, okay? Even DeMar Hamlin, when he came to, he asked, did we win the game? Right. Okay, that was his, and that's heartwarming to hear. And the doctor told him, yes, you won DeMar. You won the most important game in the game of life. And I, the thing about it, too, DeMar Hamlin might play again. I mean, no one has even discussed that because the type of uh, – terrible episode that he had okay isn't the type of thing that necessarily is going to have any lasting damage at all you know let's wait and see but from what i've heard he might be able to come back a hundred percent being you know okay but who knows when not this season but you know maybe in the future but even if he doesn't i mean mac i want to point out the great legacy that he has maybe started, okay, with his toy drive. Last I heard, it raised over $7 million, and he had a goal, $2,500 originally. So if there could be a permanent toy drive that could take a million dollars a year, think of all the kids that are going to be happy, yeah. especially holidays and otherwise. So that's like a really wonderful legacy he could have. But the answer to the question is, can the Buffalo Bills get back to normal? I, I think it can be done. For a major reason is because they see DeMar Hamlin improving. And believe me, they're waiting on every word. And the word comes back to the complex. He's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And then it switches. Let's win it for DeMar. Then DeMar Hamlin gets in touch with his team. He says, guys, get me a Super Bowl ring. I, if you could want to do anything for me, get me a Super Bowl ring. That inspires us, guys. That's what DeMar requests. Kind of like in the Rocky movie when Adrian came out of the coma. She, he says, you know, he's with her. And she says one thing to him. She goes, win, win his rematch. And then the trainer, Mickey, says, what are we waiting for? And then you see Rocky training. I mean, that's a bit more dramatic. But, yeah, the Bills know it's getting back to business. Mac. The couple of days after this happened, I didn't want to know from football. I didn't want to know from the playoffs. I didn't want to know from the standings. I could. I didn't care. You, you know, 
because I felt too guilty to even want to go there with that topic. But now as we're getting to the weekend, I'm thinking a little more. I'm looking at the standings. I'm thinking of the playoff implications. And I'm keeping an eye on DeMar Hamlin, saying let the progress continue, you know, and we get back to normalcy. That's just the way it is in life. Well, let's look at it from the Cincinnati Bengals' point of view now, Jack. Um, you know, he's he he gets injured or he has the uh, the uh, the cardiac arrest. He tackles Higgins, and that's how he gets it. And Higgins felt very guilty for a while about this. Um, I think he still does. How do you think it affects Higgins? In fact, how do you think? Well, it- I don't think, from what I heard, he knows it's not his fault. It's not his fault. At all. I mean, these things happen. He didn't take a cheap shot. He didn't do Higgins anything that he wasn't supposed to do. Right. I mean, it wasn't anything that resembled a flag. I mean, it's it's just part of the game. One guy, you know, tackles someone else in it, you know, and it happened. It was a, it was a fluke accident. Right, right. I mean, it really was a fluke accident, and it had to do with the more Hamlin, like how the heart functions, the electrical system, the chances of it happening was so remote, so remote, you know, it just had to be a hit at just an exact time, which the chances of it happening, like I said, were practically non-existent, yet it did happen. Look, as a human being, you can't help but feel guilty. You tell yourself, wow, if I didn't become a football player, chances are he would be he wouldn't have had to go through this to my Hamlin. You know, he'd definitely be alive and he'd be well. You know, it's all a guess. It'd be nothing for him to feel guilty about it all. And even the family at the Mar Hamlin reached out, you know, to the Bengals, you know, to just to let Higgins know, look, this isn't your fault, you know, at all. Don't feel guilty about this. And uh you know, just one of those, you know, fluky, tragic things that happened. But when all is said and done, you know, the important thing is to my Hamlin, for him to be okay. And we're getting promising news and, uh, and, and everyone is breathing a sigh of relief. But there's a caution. There's a way to go. Okay. Sure. We haven't heard that he's necessarily going to be 100% okay. But there's optimism there that he will. So they're not going to play this game. They're going to they're going to decide uh, the top seed by per, winning percentages. So of course that affects Kansas City also. Jack, is that fair? Is that fair to? Kansas I'm going to tell you. I think the NFL office was watching our show yesterday with Pags and myself, because I came up with a suggestion that no no one else had come up with. And today, the NFL saying, they're thinking of using it, not Jack's suggestion, you know. Uh, If the AFC championship game involves the Cincinnati Bengals and let's say the Buffalo Bills and the Bills are the number one seed, chances are they're going to play that game on a neutral field. Right. Not in Buffalo. That would be the fair thing to do. Let's not lose sight of something, Mac. No one wants to talk about it, but we can kind of start talking about it now because it was so unimportant before, and we'd, we'd get chastised if anyone talked about it, and I didn't want to talk about it until yesterday at least. 
when we got some promising news on Hamlin, the Cincinnati Bengals were winning that game 7-3. Right. They did have an upper hand. You might figure, well, 7-3, it's early in the game. It's close. Of course it's early in the game. Well, we know the Bills were the one by three touchdowns when all was said and done. Who knows? But the bottom line is the Bengals had a four-point lead. If the game was 3-3, it's even Steven. So now the Bengals could be the ones deprived, okay? If they would have won that game and it meant they would have been the number one seed, that meant they would have gotten a bye. So should the Bengals play one extra game more than the Bills? Uh, Pags went to an extra extreme, okay? And I didn't agree with this. Uh, he In this, he understood Pags. It might seem unsen- insensitive, and Pags is not an insensitive guy at all. But he felt, and I disagree, that the Buffalo Bills should have been forced to forfeit the game because it was one of their players. Uh, Forfeiting the game, come on. But you want to know something, uh, Mac? As much as I disagree with Pax, let's say hypothetically the Cincinnati Bengals were willing to play the game, willing, saying we want to continue the game. You know, we feel terrible for what happened for you. We got to play the game. This is what we're here for. And there are a lot of implications involved. And the, at that point, the Buffalo Bill players were in no position to play the game mentally, no position at all. They didn't want to be out there. And if the Bills were forced to take the field and continue the game, I could tell you unhesitatingly, they would have lost. And I think they would have lost badly because yeah. their head wasn't into it. I think they would have lost by over 20 points, okay? 25 points, let's call it, because they, they were mentally out of it. You know, Matt, playing in a little lower level than the NFL, that the mental aspect is so important. If you've checked out mentally, you can't win that game. You know, you desire to hit, to tackle, to execute. You just want to get the darn game over with. You know, sure. winning is unimportant at that point. And that would have reflected... But the Bengals showed class, their organization, their fans, by telling the Buffalo Bills, if you want to drop this game like suspended, we're 100% behind you. Whatever you want, we're on the same page with you. So that was the attitude they took. But had the Bengals insisted on playing the game, legally speaking, you want to know something? Pax would have been right. Maybe the Bills would have been told to have to forfeit the game unless the NFL was going to suspend the game themselves, which they ultimately did. At what point they did it is a little bit of a mystery. If you were if you were a Kansas City player right now, how would you feel, Jack? You're in you're you have a shot to get the number one uh, you, the number one seat here, and now it's all up in the air. I mean, you don't know who's going to get the number one seat. I don't know, Mac. Is there a way? Let me ask you, with the playoff scenario is so mixed up and you want you have to do what's fair, is there a way you could maybe give more than one team a bye? There's seven teams in the playoffs. Can you give three teams buys and let the the seeds four, five, six, and seven play? Those two games and give the top three teams a bye. And then you gotta do it for the 
I think you got to do it for the NFC too, because right. you can't have an NFC team play one extra playoff game going into the Super Bowl, and the AFC seat might have one less. You know, so, right. so you give the top three in each, but that's already depriving games. Unless you just do it in the AFC somehow, because of an extraordinary situation, or it's been suggested, well, push the playoffs back a week. There's the issue of stadium availability, other things. Technically, I think you can do that because there are two weeks between the AFC and NFC championship game and the Super Bowl. So in that case, the AFC and NFC would play one week before the Super Bowl, but that messes up the NFL plans because they have a whole list of Super Bowl events when the teams arrive and this and that, and it would create real chaos. I think the NFL is doing the best thing that they can do is just making it a no contest to make it up to the Bengals if the Bengals don't get the buy. The Bengals will not, it appears they won't have to go to Buffalo or maybe Kansas City to play in the AFC championship game. That game is going to be on a neutral ground. I think that's the fairest thing to do unless we get a little bit of a surprise over the weekend and there are upsets that take place. Let's say the Bengals really do get the number one seed on their own or the you know, but but I'll tell you this, if the Bengals are a half game behind the Bills or whatever, the one game behind them where they where victory over the Bills would have got them home field, you can't I can't see allowing Buffalo to have one less game in the playoffs or hosting the game in Buffalo against Cincinnati. It, it just wouldn't be fair. You know, they, they were very sporting Mac, the Bengals, the whole organization. They gave up themselves to Buffalo. They gave 100% support behind the Bills. But at the end of the day, if they're to lose out because of the playoffs, let's be honest, they're getting screwed at the very end, you know, of everything. With the, They're thrilled that DeMar Hamlin can make a full recovery. But then it's back to business. And, it, and if I'm a Buffalo Bill player, a fan, I wouldn't want an advantage over the Bengals. It wouldn't be yeah. fair. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't want to take it, Mac. Yeah. I'm trying to think as a Jet fan, if it could help my team and I'm benefiting on this tragedy because the other team's giving up themselves to me, I'm going to say, no, guys, I'll play you the extra game. Let's play a neutral ground. Yeah. There, there's so much that goes into this. It's not as cut and dry as some people think, so – uh, we'll have to just wait and see what the NFL decides to do going down the road in the playoffs. You know, there there's a lot of debate shows out there, um, and one is Skip Bayless, and he and he debates Sterling, uh, not Sterling Sharp, uh, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Thank you, Jack. He debates Shannon Sharp. Uh, Sharp, and this came to a boiling point when uh, Skip Bayless decided to talk about football right after Demar. Hamill got, you know, ended up going to cardiac arrest. And I don't know if the show's going to go on. I, I heard Shannon Sharp doesn't want to work with Skip anymore. Um, you know, just one of the things that, that happened, I guess, uh, to some debate shows out there where it gets a little bit more heated than normal. 
and it's not just a shtick. So, Jack, I mean, listen, he asked the question I think everybody thought. I think Skip Bayless asked the question that everybody thought he just did it at the wrong time, Jack. A lot has to do with timing. Uh, for example, Joe Mixon, uh, the uh, excellent running back of the Cincinnati Bengals, yesterday he commented he he thinks it's unfair the way the NFL is handling this situation with playoff scenarios with the Bengals. And he pointed to the rule book that the rules say this and that. And Joe Mixon was right. But because it's an extraordinary situation, the NFL is doing things as they go along, you know, because this situation couldn't be, you know, it was hard to plan for it beforehand. And had Skip Bayless's tweet come out a few days later, it wouldn't have been looked at as harshly as it was. And Shannon Sharp kind of took offense to it. And I could understand Shannon Sharp's feeling. Look, the, the morning after, Tuesday morning, the morning after this thing happened with the Mar Hamlin, a friend of mine in the media who I like, good guy, he sends me an email of a story he wrote on a player in another sport. And I'm thinking, what's the matter with you, guy? This just happened last night with the Mar Hamlin. I want to read your story and make a comment. Yeah. I didn't even open it up yet. I, I remember feeling a certain level of disgust. You know, leave it alone. This guy might be dying at any moment, and you're yeah. sending me something about a baseball player. I, I hope you enjoy this, Jack. Normally, I enjoy his work a great deal, and I'm honored he sends me stuff, and I cherish this guy's friendship. But temporarily, I was disgusted not with him as an individual, but with how, what he was doing. He wasn't just, his timing wasn't good. I was disgusted with his timing. That's right. what it was, not with the individual who I like a great deal. Yeah. But, uh, and, and that's what Skip Bayless is, is. I'm not a fan of Skip Bayless. I'm not a fan of Shannon Sharp, to be quite honest. Shannon Sharp, I, I kind of joke, he's the mouth that roars. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times he's always been that way as a player. I remember he had Tony Gonzalez on the show and they were both tight ends and Shannon Sharp is attacking Tony Gonzalez, letting him know he was a much better, he was a better tight end than him. He wasn't, by the way, Tony Gonzalez was better than Shannon Sharp, who Shannon was a heck of a player. But Tony yeah. Gonzalez was better between the two. Tony Gonzalez was a gentleman. But you could tell with Shannon Sharp was more than just joking around. He was really kind of digging a, a guy who had no feud, who had no desire to have a fight or an argument about it. And yeah. like I mentioned yesterday, I remember before the Giant Ravens Super Bowl, Shannon Sharp was the mouthpiece for Ray Lewis. Like Ray Lewis couldn't answer any questions about his past. He just sat there with his head down and Shannon Sharp berated the media. Berated right. the media. Right. And, you right. know, and there have been other things with Shannon Sharp. But the thing about it with Skip Bayless, I mean, it, it happens when people work together as a team. You uh, are working with someone a long time and you can have a great relationship with them. But when you see them all the time, 
the differences. They they argue with things. Mac, you argued me with the Aaron Judge contract. Oh, he wants to be a Yankee. He had a chance to prove it. And I, and I was telling you, Mac, are you in La La Land, Mac? But that's not personal. That's professional, okay? Right. We never have any personal conflicts. But this is personal, Shannon and Skip Bayless. Can you work with a guy like that, Mac? Could you turn, let me t- ask you, if you're one or the other, can you turn the switch on and off? I know you got to be professional, but I find it extremely difficult to work and put on a phony smile with a guy who I can't stand. I don't know well, about you. You handle it. Before I answer that, let's bring in a person that we both wouldn't have a problem working with, who may have a problem working with Jim Jeffcoat. So let's bring in Byron Williams. How you doing, Byron? Hey, good morning. Byron. Good morning, Byron. So, you know, we're talking about DeMar Hamlin, all the different, you know, stories that surround it from, you know, how they're going to do the playoffs in the AFC and, you know, how the winning percentage may decide who's the number one seed over in the AFC. Um, you know, and, of course, a lot of donations. We haven't touched that yet, Jack. And, and Byron being, you know, being a very uh, uh, person who is charitable, I don't know if he's doing anything with his uh, charities with DeMar or not, but I know he does a lot for the young players and, and the NFL PA where he helps the retired players. Um, you know, uh, players, coaches, everybody is donating to this cause, this toy drive for DeMar, uh, Byron. And uh, it has to make you feel good. Something like this, you know, something bad comes something good. Yeah, I think that's that's part of what we have inside of all of us. I think it's a good it's a goodness, and I think um, you know there was a lot of heart heart uh, warming felt prayers going out this year, this week, and uh, there's a lot of great things happened. But yeah, he he done a lot, I guess too. He he um, you know he Halloween, you know, that kids were dressed up, want to be like him. So he does a lot. He does a lot of get good things in the community, and plus he's a family guy. He loves his family and. I think sometimes people don't know the other side of these players, and now this was a good time, I guess, that people got a chance to to see it firsthand, and as well as most people have a good heart. On the better side, most people have a good heart and want to do the right thing and want to help each other out, so that's what's important. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you do a tremendous job uh, with the kids and, and different causes that, that you know, that me, and, me and Jack, I mean, it's a pleasure having you on every week, not just because you know, of your outlook on football and your analysis, but, but what you do off the field, too. I want to praise Byron, too, for show sure. he had with Jim. I caught the replay. I might have watched the whole show when Jim kind of insulted me over the Thibodeau thing. I shut it off. I didn't want to hear it. But Byron went right back at Jim and put him in his place when Jim was putting down Saquon Barkley indirectly, uh, running back, saying, me, you know, you're expendable. He let him know he'd rather have Saquon Barkley than Daniel Jones if he could only have one of them. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, defensive linemen, they, they get a lot of bumps in the head and they've been on the bottom of the pile too much and things like that. So we got to let them know that, you know, you got to you got to be highly respect some of the running backs regardless of, you know, the longevity and some and some of the great players of, of the NFL has been running backs. I mean, they, they really set the game to a whole different level. You know, I just hate some. Sometimes they'll take the fullback out of the equation. You know, but but you know, football this day and time is all about scoring and excitement and big plays and one hand catch and things like that. So, 
But you know, back back when we really grew up on football, it was about smash mouth, you know, uh, uh, consistency and respect for each other, and uh, you know, just the good things like that bring a lot to your life. It, you become a whole person, not a half a person. So Jim didn't understand that part, so I would try to explain that to him. Byron Mack asked me a great question before, but it really should have been directed towards you, but you weren't on at the time, so you couldn't. Can the Buffalo Bills mentally be ready to play, you know, going forward now, especially this weekend? They have a big game against the New England Patriots, and the Patriots probably need to win the game to make the playoffs. They needed to make the playoffs. The Patriots beat the Bills in the playoffs. The game's at Buffalo. So the Bill players are going to feel the love from the crowd. Uh, can 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 they get mentally ready to play the game? I mean, if you're a player still, can, can you get out there and really function 100% mentally? Because if you can't function mentally on the football field, you're not going to play winning football. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, and no, I, I really think as a, as a football player, a former football player, and I think this might – have set a whole a whole new level of focus for the team. And I think um I wouldn't want to be a team to play them right now because I think they they go they got a reason to play even harder and they got a reason to play for something bigger. And I think uh they're on a mission. I I would be on a mission if I were them and I think you will see that this week. You would you gonna see uh the coaching staff. I mean you're gonna go from top to bottom on on their approach to this game, I think. I just think, too, that the Buffalo Bills are already a great team. I think now they're going to even be more greater. I think this might be the reason why uh, you would want to probably put them at the Super Bowl, I would think, uh, because I would. I think they'll be more of a um, – we got to play for the, for the skipper now. We got to play for, uh, for them all. So I, I just think it will be one of those case scenarios. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know – Football has a lot to do with the, the mental aspect of the game. People don't realize. I don't care what kind of athlete you are or, or how big you are. If you if you're not doing your techniques, if you're not you know working together as a team, the chemistry, it really doesn't matter. Uh, the the physical aspects as much as people think. Right. Um, you know, I, let's 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 talk a little bit about what you said about Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones first. I, you know, to me, first of all, Smash Mouth football is funny to me because those running backs lasted a long time, didn't they, for the most part? Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith, uh, John Riggins. These guys took a pounding and kept on going. Earl Campbell even. Um, right. You know, so so the running back did last a lot longer than it did, than it does today. And I think part of that, Byron, is because they were the only backs – you know, you, you they ran all the time. They knew their linemen. They were they were built to do that. Today, you have the, a lot of the two back system on most teams, and I think because they don't run as much, there's more of a, a likelihood that they get injured. Right? I mean, they're not carrying the ball all the time. They they're they're thrown in there and and cold sometimes, and they got to run with the ball. And I think that's a big change in the way they run the ball now. At quarterback, and uh, you know, I, I can see where I can see where Jim said that the quarterback's a little bit more important than the than the, than the running back. 
um, because, uh, you know, the way the, the game has changed. I still think that they can afford both. They can afford a, a shorter-term contract with Saquon, maybe a longer term with Jones, and I think everybody's happy. I think that's what's going to end up happening, Byron. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, I, I, you know, when you was talking, I was just, you know, thinking about all the different case scenarios for us. What happened with, let's for example, Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith didn't have Darren Johnson, you know, the great fullback blocking, creating open the holes, you know. And when now you see running backs back there by themselves, and they had to pick and choose, you know, lanes and openness, and it's a whole different game. And so you're exactly right. I just think, too, you have to give maybe Saquon a three-year contract and, and maybe just see what you can do with Darren, Daniel Jones. But, you know, they have personally made this game a quarterback game. I mean, if you look at the salaries, you look at the salary cap, you look at the, the, the responsibility of a quarterback now, you know, of course, the greatest quarterback ever, you, nobody is Tom Brady. And, um, you know, some of the things that, you know, we had some great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning. I mean, just look at the quarterbacks and what they did. They did change the game because what? Um, they have to, they have to, you know, keep the ball and, and score points. But another thing too, back when when football was first made up, the the objective was to get five to six yards on the run play, uh, first down, first down, and and see that that concept had kind of been thrown out the window. We used to have to want to get uh, five or six yards first down, then you it's second and five or second uh, third and one, then you can keep the drive going. It's all about scoring and. And being consistent and controlling the game, and that's what we did with Joe Morris and the guys we had back in the day. Um, we, we we honestly, everybody knew on offense that we had to get um, first and get five five yards first down, and that way you don't put yourself in no awkward position. Let, let's get off the f- philosophy part about it, but let's get to the nitty gritty, the Giant Eagle game. Uh, the Giants have the number six seed locked in. Okay. Uh-huh. Logically speaking, they should rest their guys for the playoff game. Just keep them sharp enough. Maybe play enough to keep sharp because they don't have to win the game as far as playoff implications go. But how can they not go all out to win the game? Because they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and no matter who they play, uh, there are other teams like the Cowboys and 49ers who need the Eagles to lose, okay? So they can leap ahead of them. So the implications involved uh, there, and considering what happened two years ago when the giant nation complained about the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, kind of taking their foot off the pedal and allowing Washington to win the division indirectly by not playing their starters and not trying. How can the Giants do the same thing? They can't. I feel they have no choice but to go all out to win this game. And it might not be a bad thing because remember Tom Coughlin coached the Giants with a meaningless game last game of the season against New England. They went all out to win the game and they gave New England a good go of it in that game. And that kind of maybe set the table for their Super Bowl run. Yeah, I, I really think you keep your time and you keep your chemistry going. I I, I just think that it's, that's important. I, I know we we should play a couple of second string players a little bit more in certain position, but you know you want to win the game. I, I, and I think too we owe the Eagles for what they did, uh, like I said a couple of years ago. I mean they let the Washington Redskins win that game and we missed the playoffs and 
and things like that. I just think sometimes some things come back to haunt you in football, and this is one of those times where I don't think we need to set nobody out. We need to just stay focused on consistency and making sure that the time is perfect because, you know, football is all about repetition and, and you getting your confidence and you having some momentum. And I think having momentum going into the playoffs is what you want. Yeah, they, they said that Jalen Hurts is probably going to play, and I expected him to play. Uh, everybody's talking about Minshew. I, I, you know, they lost the last two games with Minshew. I don't think – I think that's done. Uh, the Eagles yeah. do want that first seed. Um, whether, you know, Jones plays the whole game or, or Hurts plays the whole game or the starters are in the whole game, I expect this to be a very competitive uh, game, Byron. I think anyone could win this game uh, Sunday. Absolutely, and, and what I love about the NFC East, um, in any given week, you you just you just got to play your best focused football because the, the rich tradition that we have in that in that division is all about you know beating each other up and, and winning games, and I think that's that's what's going to happen this week. I don't think nobody needs to take the, the foot off the gas pedal. I think we need to be focused on uh, positioning and getting ready to take that run into the playoffs. Only somebody that. That's hurting right now is the Washington Commandos, you know. But, guys, what about the butt-whipping the Eagles gave the Giants last time? Can the Giant players mentally forget that? that got to stick with you, that these guys are flat-out better than us. I mean, they manhandled us last time. I disagree with you. I just think when you play teams two times a year, it usually be a whole different game than the first game. I just think the the, the – the Giants weren't quite ready that game. It seemed like it was somebody. There was a lot going on. Maybe I don't know, but I think when you play somebody for the second time, it'd be much so much a better game on the second run. Yeah, I, I think the Giants. I think the Giants are a lot better team today than they were back then too. I think the offensive line is more experienced. The defense is really coming together. Uh, you know, they're very physical. Great line. Uh, good at linebacker and pretty good uh, defensive backs. They're coming back, too. You saw what happened with Landon Collins making that big, big interception. I think McKinney's coming back. I think the Giants are getting healthy at the right time. Um, I, I just think it's going to be – anybody can win game Sunday. I think the Giants are going to be fired up in, in Philadelphia, and I think the Philadelphia Eagles want that number one seed. I think right, it's going to be a I think, Mac, the most important thing, Byron, for the Giants is be highly competitive. If they lose a close game, they'll go into the playoffs with the proper mindset. If right. they should get blown out by 30 points, what a terrible way to go in the, you know, going into the playoffs. Like, what's wrong with us? They don't want to go into the playoffs thinking they have to fix things. There's a real urgency to fix things. I mean, minor things, yes, that's okay. Right. And fixable in a day or two. But if the Eagles are to show the Giants, we're so much better than you guys. You guys really aren't anything. They beat them by a few touchdowns. That would be a disaster. But if the Giants are to lose by six, seven points, to me, no big deal. They'll go into the playoffs in a good frame of mind. Figuring we didn't really need to win this game. We didn't really want it that badly. We wanted to win, but there wasn't the urgency that we're going to show during the playoffs. Yeah, and I agree with you. Now, and I think it's going to be a good game. I think now the, the Giants have a different mindset. I think the coach is going to prepare them completely different. I mean, you know, just give give applause to the hand clap for, uh, for Brian 
dive all about what he have done for the team. And I think, you know, I think this is going to be a good game. I mean, um, they, they still don't know about Jalen Hurst. I think they, they said they, they were announced today whether or not he would play. But I, I think it's going to be a real good game, and I think the Giants going to be up for it. I know the first three quarters going to be going to be some some good football. What would be why is there guys? Why is there an urgency to start certain players? Like, why not keep Jalen Hurts on the bench? Start Minshew. If Minshew is doing well, stick with him as long as he's doing well. If Minshew is struggling a little, bring in Jalen Hurts off the bench. This way, you possibly will be able to rest him for the playoffs. You know. Yeah. Uh, I the urgency in starting Jalen Hurts. Just have him available to play. Yeah, and I think, you know, being out for two weeks, I think you want to get him back on the fi- fine-tune him a little bit and making sure that the timing is back in there and all that type of stuff. Because practice is one thing, but the game is, is another thing. I think yeah. he definitely needs to probably be out there on that football field if he could. You know, if we're, he, if he we're, not, we're not talking about his injured shoulder and, you know, running with the ball and throwing the ball downfield. I don't think he's going to be running as much. I don't think he'll be throwing the ball as deep as much. It's right. gonna it, when he, uh, yeah it, I mean it's gonna be a limited it's gonna be limited action by him I I don't see him being the total package uh, you know Sunday either it, it's it's I think I think they got to get him out there there's there's no other choice though um, they got to get the timing timing down with him it's just gonna be a different Jalen Hurts than what, what I, I want to make this point too you know Mike Thompson Tomlin uh, last week had a hard practice last Friday for the for the Steelers and they they went in they prepared against the, the Ravens last week, and they beat them. And I'm going to say sometimes, you know, we talked about that, Mac, about why Parcel used to warm us up on, on a Friday and Thursday, you know, get us ready for the game. And I think sometimes, you know, you have to remind your player that this is a physical game and you got to got to warm them up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let's talk about Jack's favorite player, Thibodeau. Uh, are, you, are you impressed with what he's been doing? I mean, especially lately. He's come off that injury. He's playing really well. Big hit on Foles. Jack thinks uh, it wasn't that big a deal. I do. I think uh, any anything for this young kid, any kind of sacks no and pressure. blocking him on that play. The cold offensive line had a breakdown. I could have gotten to Nick Foles if I were younger. Well, what, I, what, I, what, what, I, what we like about Thibodeau, he's slowly growing into the player he's supposed to be. And, you know, sometimes coming into the league and being immature-minded, and not quite getting it, you know. It, it t- maybe take 15 to 16 games or whatever. But you know, I'm, I'm proud of him, and I, you know, we, I picked him on the draft day and all that good stuff. So you know, I think he gonna, he, he, you know, he, he brings a lot, and I think that the Giants need a player like that on the team. You know, we need a, we need a guy that's, that that really run the quarterback down from behind and things like that. That's excitement. That brings excitement. The kid is a hype job. I'm not saying he's a bad person. He might be a very good person. I'm not putting him down that way as a football player we're talking about. He's seasonal. He shows up every once in a while and he'll tease you with how spectacular he's going to look. I said before this cold game he was going to create a big buzz. He's going to disappear against the Eagles this weekend. And every once in a while he's going to do something big. He's going to he's a type who will get a couple of sacks in a game. And those will be his only two good plays in the game, virtually, and he'll be non-existent the I, rest of the game. I disagree with you. I, I'm gonna tell you this, Jack. Whenever a player can make a, get a farmer and then pick it up and run it in for a touchdown, 
whenever our defensive lineman can score a touchdown, that right there brings excitement. I think he's getting it. But it's it's an isolated play. He's going to do that every once in a while. He's a highlight real type player, but he's not a player who's going to be grinding. He's going to take off like 80% of the plays. I don't, I don't think so. I think so. I, I think I think he's getting it. It might take a little time, and you know it take a, it takes a, a transition of time frame, Jack, uh, to 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 from college to the NFL. I think now he's learning the speed of the game. Certain things you got to get down. I mean, just certain certain techniques, swim techniques. I mean, Hutchinson didn't that? He, he adapted to the game pretty quickly, didn't he? I want to. Yeah, yeah. he's a different animal. He's a different type of guy, though. I, I mean. I mean, you coming from the West Coast and being from the Big Ten is two different styles of play too in college, right? So, so I just think it's it's one of those case scenarios where they can, you know, you you can see that they're both of the both of them are, 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 are great players. I I really applaud them, and they had both good rookie years as, as well. I, I Thibodeau's kind of like Clowney. Clowney at times is going to look all world. He's going to look like the greatest, you know. Defensive lineman never, but for the most part, you know, you don't know whether the guy's going to show up or not. I just hope I need to send him a note yeah. though. I just, you know, I'm going to tell him what Parcells always say: don't read the press clipping. Just continue to stay focused on what you need to do on that football field. Because once you get, and I think yeah. that's what happened to Clowney since you said his name. I think that's what happened to him. He became, he was an awesome player. And then after all of a sudden, he just started going, you know, getting getting comfortable with the league, and I think he's not hungry. You got to stay hungry in, in the National Football yeah. League. Don't read the news clip, clippings and don't listen to Jack Hirsch on the Mac and Jack Sports Show either. Um, Byron, you, you know, we 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 got we to think about where uh, Thibodeau's playing also. He's playing, you know, for the most part on the right outside, which is the strong side of the mm-hmm. offense, right? I mean, right. he's going up against – some of the best left tackles in the league that are protecting the quarterback's blind side. Now right. there was there was a breakdown with the Colts. I, I admit that it happens once in a while on bad teams. But even with that being said, he's still a pressure man. You know, Jack talked about pressures being a great thing last year when it had to do with with uh, with Williams. Now yeah. he's not. Now he's not talking about pressures anymore. He's just talking about sacks now. Thibodeau's not putting on pressure. He just holds his hand up there and makes it look good. How many sacks do a defensive end need to be, to be good in the National Football League per year? Out of, out of, it's a deceiving number. Because as I said, a guy could have a sack a game and then he could look 17 sacks. He's, you know, wow, he's not that far from the NFL record, blah, blah, blah. He could have one sack a game. If I'm a coach of another team and I know a guy's going to sack my quarterback once a game but do very little else, I'll gladly give up the one sack a game. You know? Not if that sack turns into a touchdown. No, he made. He made a spectacular play against Washington. He was the player of the game. He was absolutely spectacular that game. I gave him his due, okay? And he's going to do that once in a while. That's not the last time he's going to do that. He's going to do that every once in a while. 
and you're going to say, oh, and ah, you're going to be like amazed. But he's just, uh, he's like baseball, the play, play that hits the home run. The well, guy who makes a spectacular shot once in a while. The player who has the occasional great game. He, he teases you with his talent. Well, I want to say he, he came in and played uh, some games hurt. You know, he won 100% too. So I got to give him credit for that. And then I, I was just thinking back and thinking about Chase Young. Chase, uh, Chase Young, you know, he, he didn't hardly play any this year. And so I'm thinking, how can these guys get hurt and not play in a lot of these games and they're getting paid all this money? And so it's another thing, too, that you got to be on the field and, and to make this impact. But what I like about Thibodeau this year, he played some games hurt, and he won 100%. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely a tough kid. Um, you know, I, listen, I think the Giants' defense overall, I mean, I don't – you know, I, you go up against a defense. Normally, you, you know what the who the best player is, right? You can kind of – you can – uh, devise a game plan to stop this one player. They did it uh, with the uh, with the the linebacker from uh, the Cowboys. Um, the name escapes me really quick. I shouldn't. Um, is it, is it Mike Parsons. Mike, Mike Parsons. They got him to play in the middle. So they kind of, yeah, they, they kind of got him out of the out of the game out of the the game plan because they may not have him playing middle linebacker more than where he's really good. You yeah. really can't do that with the Giants. They're really, I mean, Dexter Lawrence, I guess, would be the closest uh, right. player that you might have to game plan around. I don't know right. how you would do that. So I, I just think it's 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 going to be very interesting, uh, the playoffs overall. And, of course, you know, when the Giants make the Super Bowl, you'll all be uh, astonished at my at my prediction. And, 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 Mac, another good thing about the Giants, they play good team defense. Yes. Team defense. Yes, yes. So I, I guess that's enough about the Giants. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about we want make hey, we want to we do want to make Jack a giant fan. We want him to have a team in the playoffs. We want him to have a team in the playoffs. So we might well pick the other New York team. Okay. Well, okay. no, I'm a, I'm a, I do support the Giants once in a while. I mean, I want them to win because they're New York team there. So believe it or not, I do root for the Giants. I'm not a fan, so I'm not going to rejoice like Giant fans when they win. But let's say the Giants are going to get go to the Super Bowl. Highly doubtful, but let's say it happens. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy myself a Giant cap, a Giant shirt, and wear it. You know, I actually do, do that to show the support for a couple of weeks. I'm going to remind you, in, in, in 2007, Arizona, didn't nobody think they were gonna beat those 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 Patriots. So they, they went out to Arizona and, and did the unthinkable. Wait, wait, wait. Why are we going back 16 years? No, I'm right? talking about Eli Manning did, but everybody said Tom Brady them gonna win the gonna win the Super Bowl. So when I, I was out there and it was just such a good joyous occasion for the Giants beat those Patriots back back in 2007. I'm just I'm just reminding you. You know, I'm just reminding you. That's all. Just one last word on so, Thibodeau. If he was on those past giant teams that you played for, he wouldn't even be starting. You're right. Leonard Marshall sending him and Bill Parcells to work out with the second string team. You know, he would be a situational player. I agree. I agree. You're yeah. absolutely right. Well, listen, the Giants did have uh, a second group of linebackers at that time. 
that could have started on most. Andy Hedden, yeah, Andy Hedden and those guys. Well, them boys are bad. Very, very, very good. Um, so tomorrow's game, and didn't they just get done playing? Uh, Kansas City versus the the Raiders. Are they coming back and playing again this Saturday? Yeah, yeah, like so they, yeah, they might, yeah. Sometimes they, the schedule come up like that. It's kind of awkward that they come back and play each other in two or three weeks. Yeah. There's a couple of games like that this this year. Yeah, so it's interesting, so, guys, with the Raiders. Jarrett Stidham starting at quarterback. Him being Josh McDaniels guy at New England all those years when Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator. And Josh McDaniels brought him from the Patriots over to the Raiders. So sometimes when you've been with a guy working with him, even though he's a backup, you become fond of him. You think you could mold him. He's kind of your guy, you know? So I have yeah. a feeling Stidham, McDan if he has a good game against the Chiefs, Sunday, if he has a really good game, I have a feeling he's going to be the Raiders starter next year. They're not, he's going to be Derek Carr's replacement. That's my gut feeling. And plus, uh, he's probably been having some good practice. So they probably see something that he's doing during the, during the week as well to make made that decision as well that they want to maybe go with a, a whole new mindset of, uh, with, with his talent and his skill set, probably. Yeah. I mean, listen, they, they, they almost beat the, the Chiefs last. Last game they played, Sidham played awesome. He looked like he was playing all year. He played a great game against the Chiefs. So, yeah. so, so Byron, I we hardly get your picks. So I'll, I'll at least get some of your picks here. Kansas City at Las Vegas, the Raiders. Kansas City has a shot to to, to win the the uh, the uh, first seed, maybe whatever happens over there. Uh, the Raiders still have an outside chance to get in the playoffs. Who wins that game? I just, I just think the, the Raiders got some, some moves to make. I just can't pick them right now. I just have to go with Kansas City. Okay. Raiders got... chance, I'm not sure, Mac. I'm, I'm not doubting what you're saying. Uh, that it, that What you're saying, I guess, is accurate. But I can't imagine any logical no. scenario, logical, uh, the Raiders making the playoffs. I mean, maybe mathematically there's some type of chance them. Yeah aware of but uh let me throw this at you mac too tried the raiders have only one game left they've lost a lot of close games mm -hmm. which would indicate they're probably better than their record actually is and i know the bill parcells line you are what your record says you are but they've lost so many like games that they've blown at the end and with one game left, even with no playoff implications, the players might feel, let, let it all hang out. We're going to have the offseason. I think that makes the Raiders very, very dangerous for the Chiefs. Yeah, and you know, we, we and a lot of people don't, don't, don't know this, but there's a lot of people playing for the spot, roster spot for next year too. So you're exactly right. And, and do the Chiefs play Mahomes? against the Raiders too. I mean, do they take a chance of him getting injured and not knowing who's got a buy and who don't have a buy and who's in first place? I think they have to do it, Mac. I think they have to do it because they're playing the day before the games with the Bills and the Bengals. So they have, you know, they have to basically win that game, you know, yeah. otherwise they're conceding, you know, home field seeding. So yeah, they absolutely have to pl play it like, in all our regular season game, like a virtual must-win game. And another thing, too, uh, the, NF, the AFC championship game might be at a, a neutral site. 
they right. they they were talking about that last night as well. Right. So I talked about it on the Mac and Jack show yesterday. I suggested it before anyone, Byron. I want to hear See? last night. See? We <laughs> I suggested it on the show. And uh, you know you. Hey, you know you you know you know you know you know sports, so yeah. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna say that, you know. So right. you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Tennessee at Jacksonville. Um, you know, Tennessee hanging in there, Jacksonville. Uh you gotta give uh Trevor Lawrence credit, been playing really good uh this year. Had a big game last week, even though it was all him, really. I mean, they were they were behind, and the, the running game wasn't working. They were getting penalized, and they still won the game. Um, Tennessee at Jacksonville, who do you like there, Byron? I, I like Jacksonville. I, I like, you know, I, I just like Doug Peterson, and I like uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I like those two, and I think they, they're the ones who going to get them over the edge this week against Tennessee Titans. All right. Okay. Let, me, uh, let me ask Byron this, because Byron is, listens to you, Mac. You influenced Byron a lot. So when you kept saying Brian DeBall is coach of the year, Mac, when you keep saying it, Byron goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just follows you blindly on that. But what about, you know, uh, with Jacksonville, Doug Peterson? Look what Doug Peterson has done. If they win this game, Jacksonville wins the division. But not only that. Mac brags on Brian DeBall's part. Well, look at the way he's developed Daniel Jones. But look what Doug Peterson has done for Trevor Lawrence. Did they, Jack? Did you know Doug Peterson was my quarterback? Did you know oh, that? Yeah. Oh no, no, no kidding! Did he throw the ball to you? He probably didn't throw the ball to you enough. That's why you're not giving him support for Coach of the Year. You probably well, he, he threw me a couple of passes. I, I yeah, a couple of passes. He was he was backup at Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, but he he was with us. He was with me in the World League, so me and him became real good friends back then. Let me ask you this, Byron: How come the backup quarterbacks are the ones that become coaches, but not the elite starters? Like you'll never see a Peyton Manning, a Dan Marino become a head coach, but you'll see all these backups become head coaches because of the money that they make. That's the difference. <laughs> I think it has something to do with. I think it has something to do with too being an athlete as opposed to being a student of the game. I think a lot of a lot of uh, athletes have problems becoming coaches. Bart Starr, um, yeah, a lot of different ones have problems becoming head coaches. Well, was, uh, he was a coach for a good number of years. He was an exception. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Bart, Starr, Bart Starr drafted me out of out of college, but but yeah. you know those, those backup quarterbacks have the you know they usually have the playbook and everything that you know they help kind of regulate the game so they they do make great coaches they really do yeah they're 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 in the every they're ready to play at any time they've got to even if they're not talented they've got to be ready to go in there and do it do a do a job for the team so yeah um, just like jeff hosteller you know he he was he was that type of guy too he was he came in down a good job even that second super bowl but he was he, he could play everything he could run he could do everything they had, yeah. him, on the, he had him on the kickoff we had him everywhere yeah, yeah, very multi-talented. So, um, Byron, a couple of Sunday games I want to get your your uh, your your opinion on. You got Baltimore playing in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, again, I don't know how that's going to affect Cincinnati. I think they'll be okay. Uh, Baltimore wants to win this bad. Cincinnati wants to win it bad. Uh, you know, a north a north division rivalry. 
almost right. as good as an AFC East rivalry. They go at it. So what are your thoughts on that game? Well, uh, definitely Cincinnati. I've been picking Cincinnati um, because it seemed like they just playing a whole different different level. And I, so I, I, I really like Cincinnati. Um, the Ravens, I, I just don't know what's you – know, the coach is great, but I just think they, they missed their quarterback and they're not the same type of football team unless Lamar Jackson's playing for them. But, you know, definitely Cincinnati is, uh, is going to be up for the challenge. Let me tell you, the Lamar Jackson situation is intriguing because we don't know whether the Ravens are going to resign and whether he's going to sign with them. He becomes a free agent. And, guys, I would the New York Jets be willing to take a chance? Because Mike White is not the answer. I don't want to hear how gritty Mike White is, how tough the yeah. players will play for him. I don't want to hear that stuff. Mike White's just another guy, Okay. Good backup, could fill in, do some good things, but you can't count on him to be a franchise quarterback. Lamar Jackson, you can. That's a franchise quarterback as long as he's healthy and you take a chance. I mean, he could be the difference maker for a team like the Jets. And yeah. but that's intriguing whether the Colts resign him, give him the big money. They haven't done it yet, which might indicate that they're not going to do it. But when push comes to shove and you see you're going to lose a player, maybe you fork up the money. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think the, the Ravens would, would be doing themselves of injustice if they don't try to get him signed. But, you know, these, these team now, they, they think different and they, they look at different case scenarios. So, and you know, and, and plus you really can't depend on that draft. I mean, you you get some, a lot of good college players, but, yeah, can they make that transition over to the NFL and, and be the player like you know, like like the quarterback that y'all got up there, Wilson. I mean, he he was highly thought of, and you know, for some reason, he just didn't didn't quite get the job done. But another question I want to ask both you and Mac: If Garrett, I mean, if uh, Zach Wilson had better coaching, okay, Jet quarterback who's in street clothes now, the number two overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. really great coaching. Would he? Wouldn't he be a lot better off right now than he is? I think. I think that that part. That's part of it. And I think too, you got to be kind of patient. You can't throw. You can't throw some people into into the fire or into the wolves. I think sometimes they're taking some of these players a little bit too fast, putting them in too early. And I think that might have been one of the problems. You just got to let them slowly get the feel for the game, and then get his confidence, and then put him in there. I, I just think. You get a better quarterback when you can do that instead of just trying to play him when he first come out of college. But guys, don't you have to let a quarterback take his lumps, a young quarterback, and get better? Zach Wilson now is in street clothes for the last game. They plan to bring him back next year. If anything, you're making him regress. At least let him be in uniform and ready to come in the game if needed. The way to shut a guy down, I could understand the Raiders doing with Derek Carr because they're going to trade him. They don't want him to get hurt. They're definitely moving on from Derek Carr. He's been there a while. But how do you bring Zach Wilson back? The fan base will be so against him. If at least you let him be in street clothes, if Mike White is struggling, you bring Zach Wilson in, the fans aren't going to boo him the same way because they're going to see the guy ahead of him is struggling. So they'll be a little more patient, or at least let the head coach 
shut the fans and the media down, the way Bill Parcells would do it. If Bill Parcells wanted Zach Wilson to play, he would have taken it right to the media and fans, put him in their place. Look, it takes time with this guy. He might make mistakes, but we're going ahead with them, so stop it. And the fan base backs off. The media backs off. But they just left Zach Wilson in nowhere's land to take a pounding. But you know what, though, Jack? They, the fans don't back off in New York. <laughs> I don't know. Once they start booing you, they going to boo you. So uh, it's it just one of those those case scenarios where they, they didn't back off. I just think they, they uh, you know, Zach Wilson just – just couldn't he just couldn't get it done. I mean, just so you've given up on him already. You say couldn't get it done. He couldn't get it done with the Jets. I'm not giving up on him. I just he couldn't get maybe he a better fit somewhere else, in my opinion. At this Good point, morning. I agree with you actually. Good morning, Keith. And as always, we're talking Good morning, about Keith. We're Good talking morning, gentlemen. Quarterbacks. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about Hamlin. I think we're done with him for today anyway. Uh, we'll probably have more information coming as it goes along um so keith uh let me get your your uh your thoughts on the way the the playoffs are going to unfold now in the east especially uh with what happened uh the playoffs kind of seem all up in the air nobody knows who the number one seed is uh buffalo is going to be playing you i don't know if that's a good thing for the patriots right now with i'd rather uh, be playing anybody else <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't I don't know how that's going to affect the game, whether it's going to fire them up so much that uh, that they're going to come out, uh, you know. Well, even be even given that fact, right, they could come out there. The You don't know how they'll react. It could really be a positive thing. It could really be a negative. I just don't want to be playing this particular team this week just because of everything that's transpired. It's hard to go there and root against them, which I will do because I'm rooting for my team, and that's what we do. Right. But it's, just a, it's a weird scenario. That's all. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, there, I haven't heard anything about Zappy, so I won't say anything about him. There is uh, no news this, about Zappy. No. All right. So uh, we were discussing Zach Wilson. Of course, Mac Jones is from that draft too. Both are having problems. Um, both, I, you know, what I think? I think the Jets. I'll give them a a, a little a little buy here, if you will. You know, they're a young coaching staff. I think they've ha handled Zach Wilson terribly this year. I think that they they really – they they put this kid in a place man. maybe he can't come back from. Maybe he has to get out of New York. I can't give uh, Bill Belichick that pass, Keith. He's been around too long. I think – you know, I, I don't know what he's been thinking uh, with Mac Jones and the Patriots this year. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I've said here, I think, and certainly other places that I thought this is one of Bill Belichick's worst coaching jobs from training camp on just with the coaching staff and, and some other decisions that he's made. And I've read recently that it's his best coaching job. So I guess it's all your perspective and how you look at it. Um, I, I don't think he's done a good job here. I think he mishandled the quarterback situation, uh, specifically, um, when Mac Jones had gotten hurt with a high ankle sprain, he obviously wasn't ready to come back. He played him against the Bears while saying both quarterbacks would play. If your starting quarterback's not ready to play, then don't play him. Don't put him in a position where he's, he's going to fail and then put in a kid who might do better because he played well the week before, and he did have a spark that night, but then he played badly in the fourth quarter. 
he creates a quarterback controversy he doesn't need to create. And that's not Bill Belichick. Like he's done a lot of weird things this year. He's always put guys in positions where they could succeed. And starting with the coaching staff, he didn't do that this year. He's got a defensive minded coach being his offensive minded or his offensive. Well, he doesn't have the title of coordinator, but he's the play caller. So he's the offensive coordinator. He's got a special teams coach as a quarterback coach. It's just, again, that right now there's a lot of dysfunction there that there hasn't been before It for, from all appearances. Mm. And I think the pressure is going to – I don't think he'll ever get fired, but we've talked about it here. I think, you know, Bob Kraft may have a decision uh, to have a conversation with Belichick about maybe he needs to just focus one place or the other, yeah. front office or the field. I was, just, I was just going to say that – I think the problem was the offense coordinator and the play caller, the things that they they couldn't get right, uh, inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball, which yeah. was their problem, I think. They never got – there were to be games where you think, oh, my gosh, they're starting to get this finally, right? The play calling was good, the execution – because it's not just the play calling, right? And Byron would know this better than us. You also have to execute those play calls as well. And and Mac Jones never seemed to get comfortable with his playbook. Yeah. Um. He didn't have enough weapons. I do not understand to this day why Kendrick Bourne has not been more involved in this offense. He's he's one of the most explosive guys. He had a really good game two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and last week he virtually disappeared again. Yeah. Um, so that's the one thing that's really had me uh, confused all year is why Kendrick Bourne has gotten to somebody's doghouse or they have not found ways to get him involved in this offense. Dave, no one talks about the absence of Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator at New England. Do they miss him? Absolutely. Again, I think my comments before would, without saying his name, allude to the fact that they have not adequately uh, uh, replaced him. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the conversation is uh, in the offseason that likely will be addressed, and somebody like Bill O'Brien, if not exactly Bill O'Brien, will be coming in here to – take over this offense, uh, whether that's Belichick's decision or somebody else's is, is uh, up for debate. But he's been here before, so I would think Belichick is involved in this uh, and did very well uh, working with the Tom Brady-led Patriots at that time. He didn't have the, the, he didn't have the title offensive coordinator at the time he was here either, um, but he was, again, the play caller and the guy making decisions on offense. Well, I mean, the Patriots, the Patriots defense is playing lights out. I mean, for the most part, you know they've had a couple rough games, but man, you got you got some, you got some really studs over there. You got the uh, the uh, I'm trying to remember the names. I know they're pretty close. So Javon and and uh, uh, number nine and number eight. I know they're Judon. very well. Matthew, Matthew Judon and uh, Bentley uh, played really well at linebacker for sure. Yeah, Fifty five, I know was one of them, but I know eight and nine has been there all year for you. Um, yeah, and uh, you know they look really good sometimes, Keith. There. Um, it's just your lack of scoring. Your lack of scoring is is terrible. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, too, and they move the ball up and down the field a lot of games, but they, their red zone, I think their first, I should say last, last or second to last in red zone offense, they, they can't put the ball in the end zone inside the 20. Yeah. It's funny. I tell yeah. my wife all the time, we're watching the games, or the, the guys I'm watching the games with, we get inside the 20, so we might as well just kick the field goal on first yeah. down and move on. Just keep it going, right? <laughs> You know, you know, I talk to people all the time. If you can you you get inside that red zone, you need to score seven points. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you win in the NFL touchdowns, not three points, right? And yeah. they just have not 
they have not uh, been consistent there. You're right about the defense, though. The defensive backfield, which I thought would be a weakness, has played pretty well, especially as the season's gone on. They got a lot of young guys there. They got more Joneses than I can't even keep them all straight because there's, there's like, there's like besides Mac Jones, there's about six other guys that I can't keep straight. You got Jones, you got jo- you got Williamses, and you got Johnsons, right? Those and Smiths. I mean, it's a lot of those. It, it is, and those kids, all of those Joneses, have uh, played really. Marcus Jones has been the biggest surprise because he they drafted him out of uh, I want to say Baylor. I'm not positive where he came from. That no, wasn't Baylor. That was Thornton. Um, doesn't matter. Um, he was going to be a special teams guy. He did has returned kicks and punts, played a little defensive back, but in the last month they've gotten involved in the offense and he's been a real spark plug on that offense. He's been the game breaker. He was out last week uh, and they managed to get by without him, but uh, injuries have piled up in that, in that defensive backfield and that probably will come into play this week. It didn't last week because, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was having trouble. And Skylar Thompson, too, getting the ball, I think, into that secondary. But uh, this week, obviously, it will matter a lot more. Keith, yeah. if New England wins, they're in the playoffs. It's cut and dry, correct? correct? Correct. If they lose, is there any path to getting in the playoffs? Yes, I believe they get in at 8-9 and nine if the Steelers lose and the Dolphins lose because uh, they have the tiebreakers over both those teams, I believe. The Steelers play Cleveland at Pittsburgh. And the Jets play at Miami, so they would have to rely on two visiting teams uh, to, you know, win if they should lose their game. But obviously, they have it's in their own hands if they're to lose. That's it. They got to look yeah. at it. Their season of elimination has begun right now. Yeah, I'd rather just control our own destiny, obviously, and I really don't yeah. want to be the first wild card team to get in at under five hundred either. I don't think I don't think a wild card team. Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks got in at seven and nine. They I won a division. They, they won a division. Oh, they won that division, right? Correct. Yeah. First wild card. Well, I don't think a wild card has. And that Pittsburgh uh-huh. game, who's done a better coaching job this season than Mike Tomlin? Because that team was. I thought this team was going to lose thirteen games the way they started the season, and they're eight and eight. Yeah, let's not get carried away. If they lose their eight and nine on the year, the Steelers, this is not phenomenal overall. If they win, they have never, a winning record nine and eight, and him to keep the streak going is uh, that would be remarkable. You have this habit of saying, of putting like I said, he would they did they are an excellent team. I never said that, I said he did a great coaching job because well, 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 the same guy with back. And had were backed up by Byron, who was singing the praises of the Washington Commanders early in the year. He How was as well. The upside. There. You picked them to win the division. I, I did, yes. And that, you know, if I know their coach didn't even know they were going to be eliminated when they got eliminated, maybe I wouldn't have done that. But and they were looking uh, good for a while. The Commanders, I do have to admit that. I, I think Keith was just at uh, one too many visits there to his. Uh, Favorite watering holes is when he, you know, when he <laughs> I may have that. made that prediction from the recovery room. Uh, yes. Yes, I think so. Um, you bring up a great point, though, Keith, as far as scoring in the red zone. And this is something where, you know, I'm going to talk about the Giants a little bit, where the Giants have proved a lot. Not only have they jumped out quicker than they have, they're not playing from behind anymore. But when they get down inside of the 20, I think uh, they're up among the leaders now. Like getting a touchdown instead of a field goal. And that's very important. And 
And and I think it's because the Patriots don't have that tight end they used to have, that big guy coming across the middle to make that catch in the end zone, uh, you know, that Brady had. If, if you guys, and I know you've got a couple – A couple tight ends, one is starting to play better now. I've seen him, him starting to come. they got to get better there, Keith. they got to get a lot better. They do, and that and the tight end position does make a big difference in the uh, the red zone. Obviously, uh, if you have a guy like you said Gronk, and well, I can't mention the one guy obviously, but uh, they've had they guys. <laughs> you know, Aaron Hernandez was a great player, and it's really sad what happened there. But you know, he was yeah. a great weapon uh, as well at, at that position. Hunter Henry and even Johnu Smith have played better recently. Still not as well as what the Patriots expected when they when they signed these guys to big contracts two years ago, but you got to score in, in, and the giants have done a good job there. And look, look at, I think, and I know a lot of giant fans disagree with me. They've got their quarterback. Daniel, Daniel Jones has had a really, really good year this year with the things he's got to work with. Look at his numbers. What's he turned the ball over four times, five times all year. He would do that in a game uh, yeah. three years ago. Yeah. Oh, I think they found their quarterback. I think they've got a, oh. a great job with the coach, and I think they're that team. Wait, 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 wait. Around them, they'll have a Super Bowl contender. I agree with you. I agree with you, Keith. I agree um, with you. Yeah. Oh, there's hey, no wait, doubt. Wait, wait, by the way, by the way, one, one, just one note. I hate the Giants. I hate the Giants more as much as any team in football. But you got to think clearly here. Thank this you. Thank you. This is to all three of you. Year one, when Matt, when Daniel Jones was on go. the Giants, I'm sure you guys didn't think they had their quarterback in the future. You weren't sure. Let's put it that way. Year two, Daniel Jones is on the Giants. You guys weren't sure he was their quarterback in the future. Year three, he's on the Giants. You guys weren't sure he was their quarterback in the future. Now, year four, he has a good year. You make him the quarterback of the future. And there you, you just mentioned that he had a new coach. Yeah. You the can't get this crazy. You can't get this close the other year. You guys love Joe Judge, as I recall. I, li- I like his discipline. <laughs> I liked him as a special teams coordinator of the Patriots before he was a Giants head coach. Yes. You take Saquon Barkley away from Daniel Jones. He's just that's not fair. But that's not fair. Who, what quarterback carries a team by on his own? Joe Burrow and Jamar Chases out. He's Mixon's, getting it done still. Mixon isn't one of the Joe top Mixon five running backs in the game. Getting it done. And Joe Mixon had nothing to do with that, right? Oh, you know, and guys do it with their legs if they have to, like a Josh Allen. Like Joe and, you know, and Daniel Jones. Josh Allen is a unique oh, yeah, he's class. A he's in a unique class by himself. I agree. I'm all, I agree Agreed. with Matt. Give Daniel Jones a contract. You can even sign him. Up to three years if you want, max, max. If you want to go to, I prefer two years and give him a nice raise, give him incentives, but don't make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. That would be way out of line. I also didn't didn't say that. I said they've got their quarterback. I mean, you need to sign him to a realistic contract. What happens if he wants big money? Do they still got their quarterback? What are you going to do? Well, that's for them to figure out. If they want to take a chance on him walking and winning a Super Super Bowl somewhere else, then God no bless him. No one is going to sign him for big money. Look, I'd let him no walk. Nobody. 
money. There's always one dumb owner, Jack, man. You got to pay Absolutely. attention. Absolutely. Not that dumb, not with Daniel Jones. I mean, uh, he could leave and bring in Sam Donald and he'll do nearly the same. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. If, if another quarterback was in that position and got sacked over 55 times this year, I don't think they would he would have made the whole season. So I'm um, you got to give you got to give applause to Daniel Jones for what he had. Maybe if he showed a little more mobility, he wouldn't have gotten sacked all those times. You know what? Uh, I will continue to add my little preface every time to this conversation that if Daniel Jones hadn't been sick, picked six in the draft, every Giant fan, every everybody would think Daniel Jones' progression has been tremendous. Yeah. But we don't think that because he was the number six pick, uh, six pick in the draft. Get picked in the middle of the second round. He's a great player. You know, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compare Daniel Jones to Phil Sims or Eli Manning. He's not, not even close. Not yet. <laughs> not even close to those two. But I remember the Giant fans being all upset when they drafted a guy named Phil Sims in the first round, first pick, and they were saying Phil who and from where and all this good stuff. And yeah. he, he ends up winning a Super Bowl with the Giants and going to, and help lead him to a 90. So I what mean, did Mac? What did his first four or five years look like? Terrible. Terrible. He was right. hurt. He was right. hurt all the time. When I got there, his when I got there, he had a broken thumb. So yeah. the guys are throwing his ball. Was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, he had a broken thumb. Yeah. So but Jack, take longer to mature because of the situation. Phil Sims, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana wasn't great. Out of the gate, would you would you agree with this statement, guys? Do you agree with this? The playoffs are what separates the men from the boys. Would you agree with that? Yes. He is going to go. Let's see what he does in the playoffs. The first game. Yeah. I don't want to have Daniel Jones have a miserable game. You'll say, "Oh, what a great year he had!" and sing his praises. Let's see what he does in the playoffs. Okay. That first game, whether he responds, has a big game, and let's see, let's see what goes down. With one, with one weapon, he's got one weapon. Yeah, one weapon, and, and plus, I think he's making some great decisions on the on the football field. He he's not making he you know his pocket present things that he's doing is a lot different. He see the game clearer now. I think he's he's grown up a lot. He's grown yeah. up a lot. He's matured a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I, I I think I think he's definitely the leader out there now. It ain't Saquon Barkley. He's the. But leader. But I do agree with you, Matt. I do agree with you, Jack. He 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 got to he got to do something in the playoffs. Yeah, he does. Right, he's got to show us he's the guy of the future. If yeah. he throws three interceptions, he's plays miserable, shows no leadership. It's going to say a lot, and they're going to play an elite team in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, maybe not an elite I, team. Playing the Vikings is a winnable game if that's their matchup. I actually think the Giants can win a game like that. I don't think they could beat the Niners, for example. But if he should play against the Niners, if the Giants play against that 49er defense and Daniel Jones shines, I'm going to take a step back and say, whoa, you know, maybe this guy really does happen and is on a big upswing because that's an elite defense, the Niners. So that would tell us a lot. Yeah. Before I let you before I let you go today, because I haven't done it recently, I, I want to get your your uh, take on the, the college football championship game TCU at Georgia. Georgia's a big favorite. I think it's fourteen points. Um, mm-hmm. And this major better um, uh, mattress mat one point five million on TCU. He bets mattress mat. 
They'll make three something million if he win the game. Is yeah. he out of his mind, or does he does he have does he have cause to make that bet? This guy's got a pretty good track record, by the way. Um, I don't think he's out of his mind. I, I, look at Georgia; most likely will win the game, most likely. But TCU's got a puncher's chance. I I didn't think they beat Michigan, but I said they had a puncher's chance. Georgia got pushed to the limit by Ohio State, except for you know Kirby Smart and his great coaching staff sniffing out that fake punt. They probably would have lost the game. Yeah. Um, TCU has found ways to win. They cannot fall behind, right? They got out in front of Michigan. That was their, their saving grace. They fall behind like they have most of the year against this Georgia team, a couple touchdowns. They're going to get blown out of the building most likely. But I think they got a chance, and I think this would be one of the most like unlikely or even maybe the most unlikely national championship team ever. Not ranked before the season, a losing record last year. Um, their quarterback wasn't even their starter at the beginning of the year. I think along with a couple other teams in history, like Clemson in 81 and Georgia Tech in 90, Miami, before Miami was Miami in 82, this would be one of the most unlikely national champions ever. And I'll root for him just so I can rub it in the faces of the SEC elitists on my college football huddle show because these guys think the only good good football being played anywhere is in the Southeast Conference. And there's good teams around this country. Sure. It's a great, it's the best conference in football. I get that. But there's good football being played elsewhere. Yeah. And this team's going to have a chance if they don't get blown out early. Well, I, I think, too, I, I think too that, trans, that transport portal will have really added oh. some value to some, some of these teams. And I think TCU is one of those teams. I think, Absolutely. I think George is going to beat them by 14 points. I don't know. I don't think so either. I'll be taking the points in that game for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so real quick, let me get some basketball uh, thoughts from you. Uh, right now, uh, Brooklyn Nets look really good. They look like they could, they could take it to the championship this year. Uh, Duran and 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 uh, you know Knucklehead, they're both playing really well right now. So, uh, yeah. Irvin, Irvin's doing his thing. Duran's doing his thing. Um, what do you think? You think they got a chance? Well, my favorite punching bag, Kyrie Irving's playing very good basketball right now. He's, he, he keeps playing like this and he stays out of trouble. He'll be getting a max contract after this year. That's why I meant to talk to Keith. Keith, you're the Nets. You're in charge of decision making. Kyrie, no controversy the rest of the year. Things are quiet. He plays outstanding the rest of the year. They make a deep playoff run at the very least. Do you give him that big contract if you're the Nets? No. Does it buyer beware? Do you look at his whole history and figure this guy's gonna implode at some point? So you know, I'm gonna move on. What do I'm, you do? I'm moving on because it, it's only a matter of time. He could he could stay, you know, keep his nose clean for the next four months, but at some point you sign him to a big long-term contract, it's gonna bite you in the butt. And no, I wouldn't do it. That said, they're playing great. We, we, I thought this team was dead too. I think they were one in five when they fired Steve Nash. Jack Vaughn's done a great job there. They're 24 and whatever, 24 and eight, I guess, since he took over. Uh, Kevin Durant's playing great basketball. I've said all along that when he's healthy, he's still one of the top five players in the league. Just not a leader, though. That's the problem. I don't see when it gets to be crunch time who the real leader on this team is. That's their biggest problem, I think. It's Kyrie. Kyrie's leader, like it or not. That's, that's why they won't win in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, uh, look, Byron's a big fan of Luca. He thinks Luca's the best player in the NBA. I wouldn't argue that. I think there's a he, he's amazing. I tell you that he, he's a different maker. I'm telling you, I have him on my team every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Keith, the Knicks are going up and down, up and down. They win five, they lose three, they win seven, Yikes. they lose four. Right. Um, um, of course, if they could do that in the playoffs, it'd be pretty nice if they could win four or seven in a row. It'd be great. Um, they got an all-star game coming up, Keith. And if you were to pick two Knicks to be on that all-star team, mm. which two would you pick? Two Knicks. Probably. Let me look real quick here because I got to make sure I don't miss somebody. Um, because of his bounce back season, Julius Randle is going to be, would have to be one of those guys, obviously. Then it gets a little tougher. RJ Barrett started to play a lot better uh, recently. Uh, then he played early in the season, and and but Brunson's really brought something to this team that they they were lacking. So it comes down to one of those guys. Um, I'm gonna go with R.J. Barrett. Tell you, tell you, Jack. <clears throat> yeah, we discussed this earlier. I said Randall guaranteed. And, I'm and, a little, good. yeah. Good. I'm a little surprised. I thought I thought you'd say Brunson. Yeah, it, it, it's I mean, it's uh, Barrett's been inconsistent. Maybe he's making a little surge lately, but he's, I mean, he's hes improving all the time, Barrett, in tiny mm -hmm. little steps. But Brunson has been so much more solid overall. I think uh, Barrett plays better defense than Brunson myself. And uh, I also, I don't know. I Again, it's a toss-up. If, if, if it went to Brunson and not Barrett, I wouldn't be up in arms about it. But I I, I, I maybe I'm a little biased because he's I've I've liked Barrett from the beginning and you know he was getting ripped early in his career and he's really made great strides. But you're um, talking about leadership and Byron being in the Dallas area. He's pretty familiar with Brunson, who was on the right. Mavs and came out to the Knicks. I think Brunson's a real leader on the court. That's I would my impression, a real leader. And RJ Barrett's not a leader on the court. He's just a good player, but not a not a true leader. I, I think would, when I would agree. Barrett's on with Randall on the court. I think Julius Randall is more of a leader. But when I think Brunson's on the court, I actually think he's every bit as much a leader as Julius Randall. I, yeah. Again, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Brunson's been a great addition to this team for Jim. What he brings to the court and that leadership uh, uh, piece that you mentioned, um, I wouldn't have a problem if he got picked ahead of Barrett. I just a personal preference. That's all. Um, I like the kid a lot. Hey, Byron, Byron, I'll do that. I'm going to make you the the next GM for a minute. All right. So <laughs> okay. I, I want I want you to go I'll out. Vote and get for that, the by best. the way. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I want you to make 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 it happen. Get me the best available player out there to bring over to the Knicks to make them go and get that championship they've sorely missed for the last, I don't know how many, 30, 40 years. What player would you go get for us? I would probably get, uh, shoot, that's a good one. Well, I, I would probably I would probably get uh, Lucas from, from Dallas. I would probably get him because he, right. he just brings so much excitement. But I, I just think you need a score. You need somebody that's going to – bring excitement, and uh, have some type of <clears throat> mindset to, 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 to be, able, be, be able to mix with the New York fans and so forth. So Lucas will be my guy. I, I, I need some scores, some points, and, and some excitement. Yeah. You know, 
It's funny because Byron's comments are right. They need a, pl- a dynamic player like that, and it's ironic because there was one of those available to the Knicks last year, and they couldn't go get him, Donovan Mitchell. And what's he doing this year? Well, I tried to get him. I I don't know. The negotiations are fuzzy. Did, was Utah really willing to give him to the Knicks? Was the price really worth paying? You know, six yeah. number one draft choices and three other players. And R.J. Barrett on top of that, I don't, no. I don't know. Barrett was a non-starter, but they could have got him without giving up Barrett. They wouldn't give up the draft picks. Draft picks are, are crapshoots. Leon Rose needed to make that trade He need because he needs to show he can make a trade like that to get a top-notch player in here to bring real free agents in. Brunson's a nice player, but there's a reason that the LeBrons and the and the uh, Paul, Chris Pauls of the world never considered the Knicks because of the but way this organization is run and they can't bring in talent around them. Yeah. But why are we always so critical? The Knicks did upgrade. They got Brunson. I mean, you can only do so much. I mean, at least they're improving the team. You know, moves are being made. And next offseason, I have no clue who might be available. But you, know, sure. you know, in the era of, of, of these – big free agent signings going back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Knicks have brought in two guys of any consequence. And that was Amari Stoudemire, who was like the 10th best free agent and Brunson, who's a nice player, but he's not among the league elite. Right. And and the Knicks can't bring those kind of players in partly because they also can't trade for guys and get them to come here. Carmelo Anthony is the only guy in the last 15 years they've ever brought I'll in here. They might be able to get. If the yeah. Nets don't sign Kyrie to that max contract, well, you know the Knicks are going to do it because he's going to create a big, big buzz. And it's a crapshoot, but, you know, he'll create excitement at the Garden. Where is he going to play? They don't need when him. They don't need him. They got they got a they, they got a guy who plays this position. They, they just signed him to a contract last year. He's really a shooting guard reality. Even well, though maybe so, maybe so, maybe so. But you know, listen, I could have brought in Mitchell last year see, for less see money. Byron, you see why the see so you see why the Nick fans get so frustrated, right? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I see why. That's been forty years of and and there is no more no fan in any sport more. Devoted to the Knicks than the Knicks fans. They sell a guard on all the time. Right. That's why I'm going with Arrow to Pearl Monroe. All right. So, and, and, and this is what frustrates the Knicks so much, the Knicks fans, is that it seems like for some reason the ownership, the management can't get it together. They haven't gotten it together. It doesn't matter who's, who's in place. Uh, they haven't got it together, haven't put a good team out on the floor maybe since to Patrick Ewan days uh, where they had a decent team, but they never could put it together. And that's why, and I don't know why the Knicks keep going, to, Nick fans keep going to Madison uh, to the garden, but they keep going. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, and they keep it's, raising the prices on them and not giving them a product worth what they're paying. So Jack, have you ever been in the garden to watch a Knicks game? Oh yeah, of course. Not, not for years though. I'll admit the prices are out of hand. Oh, gosh, you're yeah. crazy. I mean, uh, it's funny, last year I was at an Orlando Magic uh, game because a buddy of mine who owns some businesses, he had a, bought a lot of tickets for a lot of the workers and one of these deals he could eat for free. I'm not going to repeat what he told me confidentially, 
but what he paid the magic put ticket, which included food, eating in a restaurant during the game, was amazingly low. If for that same amount, he would have had to pay about eight times the amount at Madison Square Garden wow. for that type of seat and to keep eating. And it showed, but now with the magic getting better, when the team gets better, they raise the prices like big time. I mean, they're, they're very nice to the fans when the team isn't going well and they, they need to fill seats up. Uh, but at the Garden, the fans, you're right, Mac, are tremendously loyal to Nick fans and enthusiastic, and they don't boo their players for the most part. I mean, that's yep. one of the great fan bases in sport, you know, the Knicks and, and the Rangers as well. The Madison Square Garden is a very positive place, which, yep. you know, we don't talk about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Byron, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a Knicks game, uh, even now where you're at. I don't know if Knicks go out there and play in Dallas. Do they? Do they play the uh, uh, over? They got to play the Mavericks once. Yeah, a once a year they go to Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I've been to a couple of games here in Dallas, but you know, I, I remember Bernard King and those guys. Man, they they really, you know, I enjoy watching them when I was up there. Wow. And uh, but yeah, um, the Mavericks games are. Uh, so somewhere, unless I get invited to a suite, I'm gonna go. But other than that, <laughs> let me ask the owners. Like when I I I want to cl clarify what I said about Madison Square Garden being a positive place. I mean, I'm talking about the fan bases cheering for their teams. Obviously, the owner James Dolan isn't popular at all. I mean, he it's very negative when it comes to him in Dallas with Mark Cuban. Is is he very popular with the fans? Is he very well liked? Because Jim James Dolan isn't liked, you know. Yeah, he, he's he's well liked here because he does a lot with community and charities. Uh, you know, him and Michael Finley is doing stuff in the community. Michael Finley is part of the staff, so he gives back a lot. So a lot of he's really well liked here in Dallas. Is it more isn't like Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones, he. <laughs> I think it's a 50 50 with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is, is about making money, getting, you know, doing this, being creative. I, I, I think some people like Jerry Jones, but people don't really have a whole lot of comments about Jerry Jones because, you know, Jerry Jones has done so much, you know, for us uh, being up in Frisco and then having his big stadium here in Arlington. So, you know, he spread out all over the place. So you just like what he does for us, the community and what he, what he have done here in Arlington with the uh, Salvation Army and things like that. But um, you never hear anything negative about people not disliking him. Just when it popped up this year, you had a, a, a child, a, a daughter, 27 years old. That was only the negative thing that ever came out in a long time on Jerry Joe. But he's well-respected and well-liked, though. I mean, it's it's really different, ain't it, guys? You know, me, Jack, and, and, and Keith, and you were here in New York for a while, too, Byron. You know the difference in the ownership between New York and Dallas, right? You got two got two owners that are very much alike, in, in for a lot of reasons. Right. And then you come up to New York, and the fans have a problem with uh with with the Rangers owner, with the Knicks owner, with the Giants owners. I mean that there. I mean it's a totally different way uh, the fans perceive the ownership in, in both areas. You know, yeah. you know it's interesting too, Mac uh, and Byron. You talk about Dallas and Jerry Jones and how he's regarded in the community there. Dallas obviously has a tremendous following across the country, 
And I think the negative Jerry Jones uh, sentiment is more felt outside of the Dallas area than it is in, because I think that's where you see fans wanting to get rid of Jerry Jones because they haven't won a Super Bowl in right. nearly 30 years. Right. Yeah. You talk about ownership. Like, take the Washington Commanders. Daniel Snyder is on suspension now, whatever. But hmm. they haven't had a good year. Chances are they might be looking for a new coach. Who's making the decision? Who's running the ship at Washington as far as coaching personnel goes? I, I don't know. I would think they no coaching decision would be made before the franchise changes hands, which there's a rumor that it might not change hands. It yeah, might not. Dennis Snyder didn't say he was going to sell it. He's going to have to sell it. Or maybe not. He got to step down. He definitely got to step down. Yeah. I do. I, 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 think, I think the owners want him to step down, but is he going to? I mean, uh, he's, he's always threatened about bringing up some of the stuff that's that the owners have done in the past uh, on different teams. You know I mean, what? The world we live in now, why would they care? Who cares? Just go let him bring out whatever dirty laundry he's got and push him out of here. It'll, people will forget about it in three days anyway. So The yeah. question is, can they make him sell if he, if he digs down? We heard the Phoenix Sun owner, Robert Saba. He said he was going to sell, but I don't see any movement taking place right now. Maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes. But what happens, you can say, I'm planning on selling the team. I'm going to sell. And then if you don't do it, no one can make you do it. I don't know what sanctions could be brought against him uh, uh, legally, right? Uh, if he's if he's found guilty of a lot of things that have gone on in his organization, maybe the courts could force him to sell his team. I don't know. Roger, Goodell said, Roger Goodell said he can't make him sell the team. Right. Right. Goodell is right, but, but I mean, that's the only You were talking about Daniel. Oh, that's Dan. I was talking NBA, but that's what. Yeah, with, with Daniel Snyder. That's yeah. any owner as disgusting as an owner's comments could be. I mean, in a court of law, a judge might say, "Well, you know, you can't force them out." I, I don't know. That. That's, I don't know what the what what the what the rules of the laws uh, bylaws are in the NFL or or any place but there are precedents in other sports MLB's taken over uh, at least two teams uh during the course of the history the Expos before they left and uh, uh the other teams are escaping me now but they took over oper- they took operations away from Dan Aloria in uh in Montreal uh so there's precedent in sports for that type of thing happening and I could see the NFL stepping in if they can find a way to do it and take over or control that organization if they have to. I don't know what work culture could they quite force them to sell. Maybe they can, they can't. But if we're revenue sharing, if it's true and Daniel Snyder pocketed money on his own and he didn't disclose it, he well, there you go. It, that's a reason, yeah, I'm sure they can oust them. You you the I know they got that hanging over his head for sure. You get but, the IRS involved, they can take anything they want. That's the truth. But didn't the owners just say that they would agree to le- let Daniel Snyder stay in if he had a new stadium built? I don't know about that. I don't know. I, I think that was I think I think that was one of the things that was said earlier that if he was to uh if they were to build a new stadium for the Redskins, uh you know, if he was able to get them to do that, that they would probably keep him in. Didn't they just get a new stadium? Yeah, the stadium's not that old. Yeah. Ten years it's old. Like, it's like it's about eight to ten years old. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. From 
I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of different stories coming in about that. I so think I this have... time next year, Daniel Snyder will not be the owner of the, of the uh, Washington team. Yeah, the Commandos. Byron, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember running back Peyton Hill? Peyton Hill. Hillis. Peyton Hills. Peyton Hills. Yes. Hillis. No, it's Peyton Hill. Uh, He he played. You got an IS on the end of there, Mac. Okay. Well, I know he played. He just he he's in critical condition. He went into the ocean to save his family. Oh yeah, my yeah, Beverly. She she uh she showed me that last night, and I I was trying to place him. He had a couple good years uh, in the NFL. With he played with the Browns, I think, in Denver. I know for sure. Uh, I know he ran for over a thousand yards one year, so he had a decent career. Okay. Yeah. There was this one player years ago who's a hero of mine just for what he did. He died trying to save some Joe Delaney. Yeah. Name. Yeah. He jumped into the water to save kids, but he couldn't swim. Yeah, Yeah, he could swim. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that guy. I mean, I hope he's in the chief ring of honor. Something not not so much for the accomplishment as a player, but as a person that which went way beyond anything anyone could do on the playing field. It's. Uh, I think he but, is. I think he is uh, in yeah, the ring yeah, of honor. Yeah, yeah. His legacy. Just the idea we're mentioning him today, just as a player, I couldn't tell you much about him. But he was a great. Know, he was. He was a really good player. Uh, Joe Delaney, yeah, running back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He he played. We played yesterday. We was in the same conference. UTA played. Hit Joe okay. Yeah, he played in Southwood, Louisiana. I think oh, okay. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just honor him today, just to remember. Yeah. You know, his heroic feat. It cost him his life, uh, tragically. Yeah. But the type of person he is. I mean, you talk about role models or whatever. Yeah. And I would recommend someone who couldn't swim ever going in the water trying to make a rescue because what are the chances you have of making the rescue if you can't swim yourself? But just the heart and courage that the person, you know, he showed is, you know, remarkable. And, uh, you know, well, just let's remember him today. And along yeah. those lines, hopefully Peyton Willis Hillis will follow yeah, through here to recover absolutely. too. I know he's an ICU. Yeah, he's ICU. yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he's from Conway, Arkansas. He's from Arkansas. That's right. He went to Arkansas. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Well, I got to go, guys. I got to get out of here. All right. Football camp to do today. Sounds good. Jacksonville and Kansas City tomorrow. Jacksonville and Kansas City? Kansas City is playing the Raiders at uh, at Las Vegas. Who are you picking? I'm picking Kansas City. I'm picking Kansas City. Uh, I was at, yeah, I was out in Vegas for the last you know three weeks, and I just think the Raiders, the news, and the and just the organization is not quite there yet. I think maybe next year the Raiders will be, be a better team, but I just think it's too much going on with the Raiders. Okay, right. okay, Byron. Byron, you have a great day. See you next and, week. Uh, glad you can stop it, buddy. All Take right, care, see you Byron. guys. All right, take care, Byron. You know, speaking, it reminded me of something that we never asked Keith to comment on that's in the news. Uh, I want us this Keith have an opinion. Vince McMahon is waging a comeback, trying to regain control with the WWE. Uh, and the reason I think of that, because of Las Vegas 
when Jesse the Body Ventura was a commentator before he became governor of Minnesota, and Vince McMahon was doing the analysis. They were doing the broadcasting together, and Vince McMahon was going over the schedule where the WWE was going to be, and he said, well, we're going to be in Cleveland next week, and Jesse Ventura saying, you know, and Vince McMahon was saying what a lovely place Cleveland was, and Jesse Ventura saying it's a miserable city. And then Vince McMahon would say, in the following week we're in Las Vegas, and Jesse Ventura said, that's my type of town. <laughs> well, what's your reaction, Keith, Vince McMahon, with the WWE? It's in the news. It's you know, news. to be honest with you, I don't know that I realize he didn't have control of the WWE. Um, who does? Is it one of his family members? Uh, He's like the Daniel Snyder, the WWE. Yeah, does he have to throw behind the scenes or what? You know, whatever. Look, look, he built quite an empire out of something that's, you know, no more than, you know, scripted drama. So kudos to him. And as long as he's not getting involved in football again, uh, uh, Vince McMahon can do what he wants to do. Just stay out of football. That's all. Well, th that leads to a great question. Uh, is Vince McMahon maybe – uh, maybe the greatest, uh, I don't know if you want to call him ringmaster. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this man built something out of nothing, right? That's, I, I, I mean, something to I be mean, said for that, Mac. There's something to yeah. be said for that. You know, he tried, but where he failed when he tried to get into football with the XFL, and I could never figure this out, guys. We're living in a day of glitz. It's not like smash mouth football in this day and age is the most boring thing to watch for young well, people. Depends on whether your team's like, losing, I guess. People <laughs> like the long, no, no, they like the long ball. They like no, the, the dance in the end zone. Uh, it's entertaining. I like wins. That's yeah. all I care about. But go ahead, Jack. I, I get I get where you're going. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no. But what you needed was gimmicks. Open things up. I said this when it first started. What you needed, neural change, for example. You're allowed one forward lateral. A receiver could catch the ball, allow him to throw a forward lateral, but if the ball becomes live, anyone could recover at that moment. And I'll set a rule. You can't recover forward lateral unless you catch it on the fly. Okay, you know, but, but if your team recovers it, it goes back to where the guy threw it, you know, stuff like that. Open the Don game up. They already got a game yeah. like that. It's called rugby. Yeah. We can watch that. So, but but rugby's popular at that parts of the world. Why can't it become something like that popular here? You had nothing to lose with the XFL. That's my point, Keith. You had nothing to lose by doing it. But it, but it failed. Why did it fail then? Smash mouth football bored the heck out of people. You listen, I think the XFL was pretty successful for what it was. I mean, they played what they played when the NFL didn't play. People still watched yeah. the games. Um, Jim Jim was involved in it. They had a good good uh, attendance at the games down at down in uh, I don't know was it in Dallas or Miami. I forget. I'll, I'll talk to him about it again. But they had good attendance. The game was pretty. They had some good rules that I thought the NFL should adopt, especially the, the kickoffs and stuff like uh, that. The, the scrum for the kickoff, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, you know, I'm talking about you know the the players can't run until a guy catches the ball, 
And that was a pretty good rule that the NFL could adopt. I, I just don't think it wanted to I know. You know what? Start another league with all those rules. That's fine. I don't care. Well, why would the NFL mess with a with the Golden Goose? They're making billions of dollars a year. They're not going to mess with the with the rules. Um, maybe to let the guys put their own he hate me or whatever they want on their jerseys. Or what, what was that guy? Wasn't that was that what he put on his jersey? He hate me. Uh, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> The NFL is never going to go adopt any of these crazy, crazy rules. I I don't think. I hope they don't anyway. Start another league, Jack. That's fine. Adopt some of those rules. Things have to be marketed around young people in this day and age. It's just the way it goes. Look, I go to the boxing matches. I cover them. I'm trying to make a phone call, and this rap music is blaring. You know, so darn loud. I can't wait until there's a pause so I could hear myself talk on the phone. I mean, that's just the way things are. I'm not condemning it. At Every all. stadium in the in the country is like that now. I don't disagree. I don't like that all that blaring noise all the time myself. But you only hear Sinatra at the end of the Yankee games these days. You're not going to hear him anywhere else. Yeah, boxing. Boxing needed something, right? I mean, it was falling off. Yeah. Box needed some kind of jolt, some kind of promotion. Football doesn't need that. Football is just as popular today. As by the way, you know, by the way, the XFL is coming back. The Rock yeah. has bought the the rights to the XFL. He's bringing it back. I don't know what, how they're going to run that league or when it's even going to launch, but uh, maybe he can do something that'll make you happy. You know what you need. You know what you need. You guys hate this. The football game will be real. But the coach is going to have to understand. You get one coach who's in great shape. The rack comes barging into the locker room, claiming this is pathetic. This is this. We'll never get ratings. And all of a sudden, he picks up and he body slams the coach. And they start yeah. slugging it out in the locker room. Uh, people are loving it. I love it. I love I watching it. I can't wait to have time. You know, Don't call Steve Austin. Give someone a stunner at halftime. You know yes. how great that was? That would be great. And you know, you I'm have- going into my third year of doing these shows with you guys, and this is not a conversation I would have ever thought I'd be having with with Jack. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, Jack Jack would support Mean Gene Green. I think that was his name. That 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 manager. He would no. he would he would be like interfering with the officials so he couldn't see the holding or something on the field, and then you know the the other player would tackle. Him. So I mean that's. That's something Jack would support. Uh, Lou Albano with the rubber bands all over yes, his beard. I yes. can't, no, no, what I'm saying, the XFL cannot succeed strictly from a football viewpoint. It's got to uh, have gimmicks. Like Stone Cold giving the referee a stunner. He's like, the and he gets kicked out of the game. You know, one of the referees, the referee would probably get a kick out of it because one of the referees would probably be a big wrestling fan. He'll understand he goes down, Stone Cold is kicked out. The fans will laugh how ludicrous it is, but they'll love tuning in. It's about ratings. It will be a different viewer they're going after than the nfl gets for sure and you're right about one thing jack we're joking around a lot about this but the only way they succeed is if they do outrageous stuff and be different than the nfl definitely yeah i could see it i personally won't watch it probably but that's okay i could see a totally different team running on the field at halftime just to uh yeah You know what we're going to have to ask yeah, Keith to comment on a little bit? Yeah, you're silly. You're, you're just yeah. silly. 
You know, you know what's sneaking up on us? The World Baseball Classic. Is it ever going to be truly prestigious for the United States? Because, you know, guys like Otani are playing in it for Japan. Are we? Are, I'm not sure what our team is. Are we truly sending our best team? And the players, are they in shape? Because the games are played in March. It's spring training. Are they using it to work themselves into shape for the major league season? Well, listen, it's no different for these guys that are playing for the other countries. It's their spring training as well. So the time frame, the time frame is tough. It's always going to be tough. I love this. I, I love this tournament, by the way. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, the time frame is so hard because to play it when these guys are ready to play, Major League Baseball is not shutting down for three weeks to play this tournament, right? So it's it, it's always going to have to be played, and at times they're not going to be at optimal uh, strength. But I think. I think the U.S. has put together representative teams through the years. I mean, some of the biggest stars have played on these teams. Um, they just haven't been good enough to win. How prestigious is it? I, I compare it to tennis in this sense. Great tennis players like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, if, when they played in the Olympics and they don't, don't win a gold medal, it's not as important to them is winning Wimbledon, you know, the French Open and tournaments like that. Those mm -hmm. non-Olympic tournaments, those major tournaments are more important than an Olympic gold medal in actuality. So how important would it be, you know, winning the baseball world classic is comparing it to the world series? Oh, I don't think it'll ever reach that level myself. But again, I do think it's, you know, standing by itself, I think it's grown in prestige since it started, um, and I think it's a, I think it's a good event, and I hope it continues, and I hope uh, they find a way maybe to play it at a more opportune time. I just don't know how it'll ever work out. One more thing before we go, guys: the World Cup has that made you more interested in soccer? Do you really care about soccer? Uh, did, did this affect you in any way? Because I know it didn't affect me in any way. Every four years, it affects me, yes. I, I have a rooting interest for the U.S., and once they're out, you know, maybe there's a story that I want to follow uh, a, a little bit, but then they go. Then there's a winner, and I don't pay attention for four more years. So probably the answer would be no, it doesn't affect me, except for that three weeks. And not me personally, but I was astonished the times I'd go to the gym, the amount of guys at the gym that were watching the game on the screens, on their phones. I was stunned more so than NFL games or, you know, any baseball or NBA games. I was astonished by the interest it seemed to have. You know, to, to back, uh, to jump on that, the place I go watch football on Sundays uh, with my with my crew, <laughs> um, they were open. I usually get there like 1130 because we like, we're, we're very superstitious. We like to have our same spot all the time. I get there at 11.30, which usually the place is empty, and the place is full. And they got the World Cup on every single TV in the place, and there's like 100 of them. Right. And uh, so there's some interest there. It's just not for me, you know. Okay, so so we found out why Patriots are having such a bad season now. Key superstition, uh, his chair and table, uh, exactly. there was some problems there this year. I sit in the same corner at the bar every week. Wait, wait, very quickly, if the Patriots make the playoffs, that means they would have made it two of the last three years. And only the first year after Brady left, they didn't.
but they have a long string of making it. So all this talk about the Patriots declining the evidence by playoff appearances it's, would be to the contrary of what people are thinking. Well, they've declined for sure. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about that. But yeah, I, I mean, um, I mean, I don't think they're dead, right? No, but no, not as long as you got a coach by the name of Bill Belichick. I agree, a hundred percent with that comment. That's not going to happen. So, so folks, that's it for the show. Come up to the end of the show. We got some games on Saturday, some games on Sunday. Playoff implications all over the place. Things up in the air in the AFC. I mean, there's so much going on. I barely can keep up with it. Uh, that's why my producer is getting paid so much by me uh, to make sure that uh, things are kept straight here as they can be. Anyway. You heard her laugh, by the way. Yeah, you did. Huh? Okay, well, she has a good sense of you. <laughs> so, folks, you have a great, a great day today. If we don't see you, have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the debate show where me, Jack, I think Pags, and Doc will debate the uh, best and hottest topics today and of yesterday. So WWE involved in that conversation? I hope, I hope not. I haven't looked at it yet, but uh, no one, Jack, you might have snuck that around. <laughs> that was in the news. It was considered major sporting news. <laughs> man today. Right, so, major sporting news. All right, folks, have a good one. <laughs>